Everything as a Service Journal is an online publication built to help technology solution providers identify and quickly tap into new sources of recurring revenue. As a service journal listeners, welcome to the Zazcast, a podcast brought to you by Everything as a Service Journal. I'm your host, Jay McCall, co-founder of the publication. And with me here today is my business partner and co-founder, Mike Monticello. Hello, Mike. Hey, Jay. How are you doing today? Oh, pretty well. And yourself? Dandy. Thanks. You sound like you got a lot of energy in your voice today. That's good to hear. <laughs> I thank you. <laughs> So, Jay, you know, in the past couple of weeks, we've been talking with technology solution providers about what they've been doing to help their customers and their employees during this difficult time. You know, we've had some great conversations and, uh, you know, DNH Distributing recently did something similar, but they did it on a much larger scale. They hosted a webinar and they had hundreds of their manufacturers and some partners on that webinar. Uh, and they were trying to get a deeper insight into partner challenges. So they brought in a, uh, an industry analyst to share some key stats regarding how the pandemic is impacting supply chains, cash flow, contracts, et cetera. But then to me, the real interesting thing was they, they conducted a roundtable discussion. They brought on six VAR slash MSP partners, and they discussed the importance of maintaining viable partnerships during the pandemic. Yes. And that today, our listeners are going to hear from Jason Bystrack. He's the vice president of the cloud business unit at DNH. He joined uh, the company a little over a year ago. Uh, he's played a key role in helping uh, this distributor roll out new recurring revenue services, as well as adapting the company's support offerings during these turbulent times. So yeah, we brought Jason on because we really wanted to get an overview from him of some of the results and uh, learnings that came from that roundtable discussion. He shared several insights with me that I think will resonate with you, our listener, and help spark some ideas for conversations you could be having with your strategic business partners. The conversation could also help increase your awareness of the different kinds of help that are available to you. So let's check it out. Jason Bystrack, welcome to the Zazcast. Hey, thanks for having me today, Mike. It's good to be here. Well, thanks for being here. Um, Maybe to get started, it would be helpful if you could share a little bit about yourself to our listeners. That yeah, sounds great, Mike. So I've been with DNH since January of 2019. Um, you know, joined the company to build out our cloud and managed services practice. And since I've actually taken on some responsibilities for professional services, we build that out. So, you know, really, uh, my mission is to help transition, just like so many of our channel partners, DNH into a services company. And um, you've know, been in the channel about 25 years, so you're know, really excited to be working for such a great company at DNH. Very cool. Well, in the past couple of weeks uh, on the Zazcast, we've been talking to technology solution providers about what they've been doing to help their customers and their employees during this difficult time. And uh, it's pretty cool to see that DNH recently did something similar with six of its partners. I know your organization conducted a virtual VAR panel last week. It was called Maintaining Viable Partnerships During the COVID-19 Pandemic. It was a WebEx and you had, what, like more than 280 manufacturers and six VARs on there explaining what kind of support they need to go forward and achieve 
you know, both short-term and long-term recovery. So my first question for you is, you know, what could you share some of the thinking behind putting together that VAR panel for your vendors and how did that come together? Absolutely. We really started, Mike, I mean, right now there's just so much uncertainty in the current environment. You know, everybody is facing not just professional, but personal challenges. And we're all working together to not just defeat this virus, but at the same time, you know, stay healthy and do everything we can to protect our business and our economy, right? Yep. So you know, DNH has always been a very relationship-oriented company. And you know, quite honestly, we value our vendor partnerships just as much as we do our customer partnerships. So you know, we were thinking of them at the time and, and, and reacting to some of their feedback and concerns. So we felt we should take some time to provide an update to these vendors you know, that included some meaningful information on the macro economy, uh, the technology segment, especially our channel and what we're seeing. And, you know, we wanted to make sure that we included some feedback and, and you know, from various, uh, you know, shared customers or channel partners, if you will. So, you know, Dan and Michael Schwab, our co-presidents, they kicked off the session with that. Um, you know, one of the things that's great about working at DNH is that, you know, those two guys drive a culture of being involved and hands-on, right? So it was great to have them there. And then we had the opportunity to have Larry Walsh, uh, you know, from the 2112 group, you know, provide some market insight and then moderate a panel. And the panel we put together, we really tried to get a cross-section of, of partners. So, you know, I brought in some of the managed service providers that I'm working with in the cloud and services business. And uh, Peter DeMarco, uh, who is our vice president for our VAR sales organization, you know, brought in a lot of more of the VAR type model partners. Uh, if you think about DNH, those are the two primary you know business models we support from a customer standpoint. Okay. All right. So, uh, with that said, I mean, are are you able to share some of the key findings from this panel? I'd love to hear you know kind of what you guys discovered. Yeah, you got it. Um, you know, and, and Larry talked a little bit about you know, and if you know Larry, he's very market driven, data driven. So mm -hmm. we talked about some stats, right, and updated some vendors. So. Some examples are 63% of our solution providers say they're experiencing supply chain and inventory disruptions. 21% have clients looking to renegotiate contracts or lower payments. 18% are experiencing some cash flow disruptions in their business. And 15% are have they have to see clients canceling contracts right now. So, you know, Larry laid out, you know, some of the grim stats, if you will, what's happening. And then, you know, he moderated the panel with those partners we mentioned to you know, add some color to those. So some of the things the panel updated us on here is that, you know, they do feel that spending will dip a bit in Q2 and likely into Q3, but optimistically, they feel that we might start seeing some significant recovery in Q4, you know, in this channel. Uh, they're seeing high demand out there for remote workforce solutions, especially laptops and cameras, headsets, and cloud-based software that, especially in communication and collaboration segments for that. Uh, this is driving true cloud adoption, they said, right? Wider utilization and consumption of the features and capabilities. Yeah, just to double click there for a minute, you know, I work a lot with Microsoft and they're always working to incent channel partners to get people to use all the bells and whistles with their products like Teams or Office 365. People now are, right? Because they're out of necessity. So in some ways, that's a good thing from a cloud perspective. Um, there's a lot of focus on security. You know, how do you take policies that were built for a, you know, uh, you know, an office building and then apply those to work from home technology. So, you know, a lot of the partners said that they're starting to work to solve those issues for their clients. Uh, some of the vertical segments we talked about, K-12 has been explosive. 
you know, but there's some concern. Did we just pull forward business that was going to come in in the normal K-12 season and it's not going to be there again? Or is there going to be a second wave of K-12 spending? I don't think we we know that answer yet, but um, it's been a busy, you know, several weeks with that segment. Um, they're seeing increased requests for specialized financing, you know, things like extended terms, deferment, deferred payments. That's an area that DNH has put some resources in. Uh, you know, they talked about vendors are starting to defer training and certification requirements, which was very much appreciated by the channel partners because they don't want to be worrying about that right at this time when things are just so hectic. Um, you know, they talked also a little bit about that the partners that diversify, they're probably better positioned to weather the storm, right? So, uh, you know, they talked a little bit about some of their, how their business models have served them well, especially MSPs and that. So those were some of the themes I think we learned out of the panel. And, uh, you know, sorry for a long-winded answer there, but there's just so much content they provided. No, no, that was that was great. That's the detail we like here. Um, so, you know, my, my follow-up question, which you, you, I think you touched on a little bit, was just from what you heard from these six VARs on the panel, but then maybe also conversations that you've had with other uh, other uh, partners of yours, are, are VAR needs similar across the board? I mean, you mentioned that there's, you know, maybe in education, there's actually maybe some more opportunities, but then in other markets, maybe there's, you know, challenges. So what, what can you tell me about what, you know, what you're hearing from VARs just in general? Well, I think you first have to look at the business model they run before you can answer that question. And, and you know, I'd start by saying that, you know, again, our, our expertise tends to be in the VAR model and the MSP model are kind of two, the two channels we work the most with. And I think they have different needs um, from what we're hearing. So VARs tend to focus a bit more on resale and project delivery if we're defining it. So they're balancing right now, like increased demand in the hardware that they need and, and project rollouts with some of the inventory challenges that are, are very real out there in the market now. So they're more interested in some of the financing programs we talked about. Um, you know, they're seeing increased use of some of our white glove services that we offer to like things like managed configuration services, imaging, stuff like that, that, that we're doing with it to help them get scale for these projects that are suddenly coming their way. You know, so that's, that's in the bar segment where MSPs, managed service providers, they have, I think, some benefit to the predictable contract-based revenue that they have, the fact that they have pre-negotiated payment terms in those contracts. So, you know, in theory, cash flow is not as interrupted, um, you know, and then they also have remote service delivery tools that, that put them in a good position to weather the storm, right? They, they understand the work from home piece of it. But they do have some areas of concern around things like, you um, you know, the changing support discussion. Suddenly they're supporting people from a home environment instead of an office environment. And that person starts at 5 a.m. because they, you know, they, you know, so suddenly their help desk that usually was a, a, an eight by five has now got to be operating at 5 a.m. because the CEO of their biggest customer gets up at that time and has questions. You know, they're trying to deal with home networks and home bandwidth, you know, concerns. So diagnosing and fixing some of those problems brings some additional challenges that maybe weren't laid out in those SLAs and contracts. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead, Mike. No, no, no. Finish your thought, please. I was, I was going to say there are some commonalities in, in both of those models. There's some real fear of you know, the ability of their customers to pay due to the economic uncertainty out there. I think there's agreement that there's um, that too many of these channel partners, they lack some of the financial skills to deal with a downturn. Right. Things like, you know, they're just not great historically at revenue forecasting, understanding their expenses how to optimize AP and AR processes, and then cash flow management. 
you know, um, especially some of the SMB VARs and MSPs we work with, that's just not their core skill set. So, you know, there's some concern about how they get through that. It's new to them. And that's an area where we're working to spend some time to help, uh, you know, educate our partners and give them best practices and advice and stuff like that. Yeah. I'd imagine for those MSPs, um, you know, it's always been, it's always been said that, you know, MSPs really need to continue, continually show their value that they're providing. And, you know, in a situation like we're in right now with this pandemic, um, if an MSP wasn't doing a good job of showing their value month over month, I could see their customers coming to them and maybe being more likely to say, well, you know, I'm not sure what I'm paying for here. Sorry, this is the one bill that I have to cut. Whereas you've got other MSPs that are maybe a little bit, you know, more high touch and providing reporting and, you know, proving their value month over month, they might be a little bit more protected. Have any thoughts on that? Is that accurate or am I uh, way off base there? No, I, I think you're absolutely on base. And, you know, I think that goes to, you know, the fact that people are transforming, say, into an MSP model without necessarily having that maturity or defined business processes or maybe financial skills to do it. Those are important areas. And, and, and you know, I think, you know, one that there's some concern with there. But, um, you know, I think they have, you know, other ways that they can demonstrate their value. You know, there's a lot of buzz going around around just customer communications. You know, how do you approach a customer conversation? How often? How do you reach out in these types of times, right? So just staying in touch is a huge value add. And certainly, I think helping to educate around some of the new solutions out there, especially things like we said, like remote workforce technology, um, uh, you know, cloud technology, how do they provide security, things like that, right? Those are, those are some areas. I think there's also some noise in the market. Um, you know, you hear a lot about there's free software all over the place. Everybody's offering stuff for free. And, you know, one of the, that's a great gesture. I don't question the intentions at all from the vendors that do that, but it does put the channel in a predicament and that suddenly they still have to maybe answer questions or support that yet they can't monetize it because it's mm. free. So, you know, we're starting to work through how do we, you know, you know, handle those types of situations and things like that too. So, you know, there's just a lot going on out there, but, um, you know, I think the partners have to, you know, show their value through customer communication and, and discussing these types of things open and honestly, but yet empathetically. Do you have any uh, best practices you could share regarding communication in terms of how they're doing it? Like what method of communication, the frequency or, or anything like that? Because I, I would imagine during this trying time when end customers are, you know, really struggling an MSP has an opportunity to really provide a lot of value and and help them. Um, but I also understand that people don't want to feel like they are uh, taking advantage of the situation or capitalizing on this horrible thing that's happening. So what are your thoughts on how they can communicate with their customers? Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly not the expert on it. And I will tell you that DNH is actually looking to publish some uh, and push out some content with some some kind of aggregated best practices that we're hearing in the coming weeks. So more to come. Okay. But, you know, from a personal opinion standpoint, I, I think it starts with empathy. Right. Call for the right reasons. There needs to be a genuine you know, concern and empathy and just, you know, check in to see how things are going. Talking about their business and some of the pain points and challenges they're having making sure you've got the right relationships with the line of business leaders and, and executives to you know, understand what's happening there. I'd say start with that. Uh, I think that will often lead itself to an opportunity to maybe discuss how you might be able to help them. And 
you know, let's face it, it's a B2B world. So those those clients, they understand that, you know, their their MSP or their bar is calling and, and is hoping to keep them as a customer, make some money. I don't think you have to be aggressive about that. I think you'll uncover pain points through a good personal conversation with it. Yeah. Okay. And then as a as a follow up to uh, your your mention of the free software and that dilemma that that it puts on an MSP to you know still support it. I mean, what what are what's your position on that? Is there? I know you said you're you know there's a lot of talk about it. Are there any ideas for how to how to navigate that as an MSP? Well, again, what I would tell an MSP is that I think you have to define and stick to SLAs, right? And, you know, I think it's fair to say to a customer, say, okay, so yeah, you can get a hold of this software, but it's not one that we support, right? So I'm a little bit concerned that you're going to have questions or implementation challenges, usage challenges that I may not be prepared to answer. So I need to you know, stick to what I know. Uh, if it is a software that they understand, uh, I think they can demonstrate and say, look, part of my value is aggregating these, these cloud and even hardware solutions into single invoices and operational processes. You know, I can't do that in a free model that has to be wrapped into it. You know, so I, th- I think that's an area that they should, um, you know, also focus on is how they're dealing with that type of stuff, too. OK. All right. But, Okay. Yeah, just to add one last thought there, Mike. Sure. Yeah, people are looking for this help right now. I think that your first reaction should be, let me see how I can help them. And, you know, I, I'm pretty sure that I'll earn their business as a customer long term if I you know, take that approach. Right. So uh, the great news about, I think, DNH and a lot of customers we work with, the MSPs and bars, is they take that approach and they you know, really are out to serve their customers first and foremost. Yeah, that's a good point. If you, like you said, if you approach them with empathy and truly from a place of wanting to help, um, you know, as long as you're not being egregious in your tactics or being too over the top, um, you know, they should welcome you. They should welcome those types of uh, solutions that can help them in these in these times. So, um, so we've been talking about how VARs and MSPs can help their customers and work with them, but let's talk about kind of like more internally focused things, you know, what, I guess, what kind of help are VARs and MSPs looking for for themselves? Are, are you guys being approached by them for any kind of help? Yeah, I think we talked about a couple of those things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just some of the things that, you know, d has done to respond to customers. I think part of it is, you know, proactive, us kind of understanding that mark and that business and, and, you know, grabbing together some really smart people internally and externally to put together some resources and programs. But then in addition, you know, staying in, in touch with our customers and partners to, you know, ask them, what do you need, right? I don't, we don't want to assume that we know everything, right? There's no question that, you know, they're going to have the best answers. So some of the things that we have put together, you know, we, we, we put together um, uh, a partner priority escalation team. So you can literally email partnerpriority at dnh.com and it's going to route it to this team that if you've got like a hot, urgent type of situation that there's going to be people that will respond uh, quickly and and help you get through it. Uh, We're working very closely with vendors to increase supply chain, right, for high demand products right now. Uh, We're handling inventory management and prior reallocation for some of these projects. I mean, there's a couple of uh, you know school systems and, and hospitals in particular that we've been heavily involved with the logistics and inventory management for some some projects, and we feel really good about being able to you know to do that, be part of that. Um, we mentioned financing, but we put together I think some really nice financing programs uh, that offer things like credit increases, extended terms, 
um, you know, flexible deferred payments and even our devices of service or DAS program, uh, you know, offers some of that and then, uh, you know, really breaks things down to more digestible payments. We took that and then also had a number of our OEM partners and vendors that came together and, and added more to it. So we got a really nice offering there. Uh, at the end of the day, like we talked about, financing is just so important right now. Uh, we, we increased SLAs in our capacity for our white glove services. So that's where we do kind of integration, things like um, imaging, asset tagging, configuration of hardware for big projects. And we've seen some, some sizable ones come through, especially for some of these school districts, like I mentioned. Uh, we put together a task force to uh, basically assist with uh, remote workforce solutions. So we heard the, the demand loud and clear there. Um, so cross-functional team to help put those together, help partners marketing and put together collateral and playbooks on, on how to support and sell those types of things as well. We are increasing our educational opportunities. So like everybody, we've moved to more virtual events, right? That's kind of the, the way things are right now. And we've done some good ones. And I would say that we're putting even more emphasis than ever on some of the business advice to respond to some of these uh, you know, partner questions. And you know, lastly, just increasing marketing resources to help with customer communication, both us to our partners, and then even helping our partners increase communication effectively more to their end clients through the right messaging. So. Yeah, that's kind of a, a list of some of the things that we've been, you know, working through at DNH to respond to customer needs. Wow, I mean, you guys, that that's impressive. You certainly haven't been sitting on your hands or anything. Um, now, this isn't all what you just went through. That isn't stuff that just came out of this webinar last week, is it? Well, I would say that some of that is very specific for the current situation, right? We didn't have a remote workforce solution or a you know, uh, you know, a, a virus uh, priority team working on that type of stuff. That's all kind of new. But we also took some of the things that we know and do, you know, I think fairly well and, and just made sure that we incorporate that where appropriate into the plan. But, you know, when I think about what's kind of arisen from this webinar and uh, event we did is we've definitely seen a lot more communication from vendors and customers. You know, they, they suddenly realize, okay, there's a lot of common needs and, and resources that we can kind of put together. So it's gotten a lot a lot busier, I would say, right? Uh, we've seen an increase in, in our partners using some of these programs that I've been talking about there. Um, you know, definitely the, the, the inquiries have picked up, um, you know, and even just internally, right? I mean, there's an internal process when you got such a big company that we're educating our salespeople and everybody on how to position these, recognize the opportunity and make sure that we're proactively talking to customers about, you know, those things. So, yeah, that's why I think I think we raised the bar on on being able to uh, have those conversations as a result of that event. Wow. Well, kudos to you guys. I mean, that's that's really impressive. Did did anything come out of this panel that surprised you? Well, Mike, I wouldn't say as much as a surprise as as a reminder. You know that this channel really is resilient. I mean, we've we've weathered all kinds of economic challenges over the years, business model changes you know, constant threats of disremediation. You know, we weren't even supposed to be here anymore because of cloud, if you recall, right? Uh, you know, think about the late, you know, 2008, 2009, that was a pretty severe recession that we all went through. But, um, you know, the fact is that we're poised to, I think as a channel, just respond to it and react, right? Um, you know, it's just really striking the level of confidence that these partners have. Uh, it's inspiring the collaboration that we, we have together. You know, the channel really is, I think, it's reminded me that we're built on relationships. I've, I've been amazed at just how much communication has been coming out. I mean, 
you know, first on the personal level, I mean, I've got people that I've worked with for, you know, a long time, over 20 years, and, you know, they're texting, calling, emailing more than ever, just to see how you're doing, right? So we'll spend 10 minutes just talking about how our families are coping through it or things like that, uh, even before we get into business. But just the the increased uh, empathy in the channel has been just amazing to me. So last year, you talked to us about several as-a-service offerings that you were rolling out to your partners. And I'm just wondering how those are working out, especially during this pandemic. Yeah, great question, Mike. I mean, so when I think about the solution offerings, we put them together and we call them cloud clusters. So the first one is our, our software as a service cloud cluster. You know, the foundation product is Office 365. And we've added a number of different solutions that plug into that. Um, we've seen increased demand as a result, you know, to what the current economic situation, remote uh, workforce needs that are happening. So products like Ring Central, we've definitely seen upticks, um, you know, because of the communication elements to that. You know, Dropbox has a great platform that assists with that. Microsoft Teams has been widely adopted. So certainly that's been great. Um, our MSP cloud cluster, which has ConnectWise at the foundation, uh, we have seen increased interest in, you know, people building out a more services oriented practice using those types of tools to get more efficiencies. And currently right now, more people are doing remote service delivery. So some of those tools that are in there have been very helpful. Uh, we've seen increased, uh, you know, partners using LionGuard in particular, ConnectWise in their Automate product, which has remote software management that goes with it, ConnectWise Control, which uh, does desktop administration. Uh, and then the last cloud cluster is our Microsoft Azure cloud cluster. And that we've seen a uh, pretty massive uptick. And I think that you know, mirrors what Microsoft is reporting as far as increased consumption, because you know, it allows you to deploy things like um, remote VPN access and firewalls, you know, additional infrastructure that you can spin up quickly and manage. So we've seen a lot of partners starting to use that to construct these, you know, kind of the new, you know, remote workforce solutions that they need that are out there. And then lastly, just uh, like we talked about devices as a service, um, you know, certainly continued momentum. And uh, I think now the new financing programs we announced with deferred payments for devices as a service for 90 days are making it easier for partners to use that to go out and you know, support their clients at this time. All right. Very good. Well, Jason, certainly appreciate you sharing all this great information with our listeners. And really, uh, again, kudos to uh, DNH for taking these steps and uh, helping the the uh, overall IT channel community here. Before we uh, before we go, I just want to give you one opportunity, maybe to share any final thoughts or you know best practices or tips or anything that you think came out of this. Any advice that you would have for Avar or MSP listening. Well, I think first and foremost is staying in touch with your customers. Communication, like we said, is just critical right now. You know, secondly, uh, you know, I think financial planning and preparation is important, both because of your potential downturns in revenue, uh, ways to optimize your costs, you know, things like accounts payable and receivable, making sure that you're well planned and thinking there. But those are the two biggest areas of focus, I would say, that partners should be looking at, you know, right now to, uh, you know, to to survive this storm that we're all working through. Yeah. Very good. Well, thanks again for your time. And we hope that you can come back on the Zazcast under better circumstances and talk about some other really cool, exciting things in the future. Yeah, I can't wait, Mike. Thanks for taking time today. And uh, thanks for all you're doing to help uh, you know keep the channel educated and informed on everything. Our pleasure. Thank you.
Yeah, that was a great interview. It's encouraging to hear about the different ways that DNH is supporting its partners. And um, it's also an excellent confirmation to hear how their recurring revenue offerings are continuing to grow, especially you know, when so many companies' overall budgets may be put on hold or even shrinking you know, during this pandemic. Yeah, I, I totally agree. There's, there's no doubt that one of the trends we're going to see post-pandemic is even more companies moving to the cloud and embracing the subscription model. You know, the, that consumption model of paying for what you need and being able to expand or contract as your business needs change, well, that makes sense during normal times, but it's particularly useful for the current situation where companies are setting up employees to work from home, they're trying to retool their workflows and, and so on. The traditional client-server computing model, it just doesn't have near the amount of flexibility as the cloud does. Absolutely. Thanks to Jason for joining us for this episode. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on a future episode, send an email to us at podcast at xaasjournal.com. As a reminder, our publication's goal is to help IT solution providers identify and quickly tap into new sources of recurring revenue. For more information or to sign up for our free newsletter, visit xaasjournal.com. To ensure you don't miss out on future episodes of the Zazzcast, subscribe via iTunes, Spotify, Google, or Stitcher. Thanks and have a great day.